Hey everyone, my name is Peggy Puller and I am the founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool. We help parents who homeschool children with special educational needs. We're a nonprofit. And um, I'm going to share with you homeschooling your struggling learning with confidence. Um, this has normally taken me 45 minutes to give, so I'm going to be very quick um, with um, giving you information. But this is kind of like the not the technical stuff. This is the under the neath stuff that um, is so important in being confident in, in homeschooling. Um, you can find lots of resources on our website at spedhomeschool.com, um, which I'll share more at the end um, just as we're wrapping up. But um, these are kind of the things that I just um, really want you as you're looking at homeschooling, um, a, a student who struggles, whether they have an IEP or maybe they just are a little slow at reading or doing math or one subject or maybe across the board they have um, a learning disability that um, has them learning at um, a much lower level than the grade level that they're in. That's okay. Um, it doesn't matter. You can still homeschool and um, as one of my board members has said you do not need to be an expert in order to homeschool your child. You are the expert. You are the parent. And that's how I kind of want to start this out is that um, one of the biggest things that you need to, to homeschool well is to have this level of trust because all learning is based on trust. Just think about that. If you didn't trust somebody, are you going to listen to them and what they have to say? No, you're not. And neither is your child going to do that. And so building this trust relationship up is so important especially when you're starting out homeschooling for those of us that have homeschooled for years this is i just finished my 18th year and uh that that level of trust builds every year as you you homeschool and yet if you don't have that trust with your student you will find that it becomes very difficult to um to build anything upon that and so how do you do that well for me, I found that getting on the floor and building Legos with my oldest son because that is, was the thing that he liked or putting on costumes and running around the house with my, my middle child was um, the things that really spoke to him. And as my kids realized, you know, mom really cares about me. She gets down at my level. She's seeing the world from my perspective. I. I trust her more. And those are, those are the types of things that we often think if we demand and we dictate that we can build this repertoire with our child to help them to respect us. The problem is, is we build respect for others when we see them seeing life the way we do and allowing their perspective to be changed and including our perspective it doesn't mean we change them completely, but it means that we intertwine our lives. And so, um, so that for me was the most important thing in, in helping my children to realize mom's trustworthy. I'm teaching you these things because I love you and because I want the best for you. And this is the foundation that I want to establish for our homeschool. And then we maintain that relationship. And that means that we continue those things. We don't just do them once and say, okay, now that I've maintained this trust with my, my child, no, we do it over and over again. And when we slip up, when we say the wrong thing, when we lash out in anger, we ask for forgiveness. And we come back to them and we say, oh, 
you know what, I just broke my trust with you, and I need your forgiveness. Um, and our family goes into way more than that when my kids were little, of rebuilding those trust relationships. Um, but but that's the basis of, of what I wanted to talk about with, um, with that, because it is so very key to your homeschooling success. Um, and, and especially for kids who have been bullied or who um, just are struggling they've they've had a lot of people let them down and to know that mom and dad they're gonna be here and they're gonna stick it out and even though we mess up we keep coming back to that trust relationship and building on it that's where um, we won't lose out so the next thing is is um, research advocacy and resources so Keep calm and do your research. Yes, this is what you need to know way ahead of what curriculum you need because that is the biggest question parents will come to us. We're at a conference and they come to my booth and my team members have just gotten so frustrated. They're like, Peggy, all they tell us is this is my child's diagnosis and so what curriculum works best for that? I can't tell you because the curriculum is not based on your child's diagnosis. So. What is it based on? Well, it's based not only on what your child's diagnosis is, how your child learns, but also how you teach. And so there's a lot of different questions you need to be asking and you need to be observing way before you start picking your curriculum. You need to study your child. You need to figure out how am I going to make this work? <laughs> and so, um, so I always tell parents, try out some curriculum. That's what we did. I tried out the main types of curriculum, got free things, went to the library, got some books, and and replicated basically the, the methodology used by the main curriculums that I was considering. And so we tried a textbook approach, and let's just say that that didn't go so well. Um, I decided that everything would be within the same theme, so of course that was my my, my research constant, if you want to call it. Um, and so I, um, I just use different materials and different techniques, but all with the same type of theme. So we studied pirates and um, seafaring, you know, kind of in the, the 12, 1300s. So, um, so the textbooks, yeah, you know, the dry reading, coloring books that go with them, you know, just all the busy work. My kids were not into that at all. Um, so then we tried out literature-based, and um, kids liked the books a little, you know, they're still squirmy. And, um, and so and doing maybe something, an activity based on the book was, was fun, but you know, I didn't really, they didn't really always listen to the book. And then we tried unit studies very hands-on. Um, we were going to do knot tying that day, and I told my kids, well, okay, we've learned all the different kinds of knots, and um, you're pirates. I can be your captive. You can tie me up with these 20 feet of cord, but you have to use proper knots. They were all over that. We used unit studies basically through their entire schooling. It worked good for me. I'm a very flexible, creative type of person. Um, for some moms, that does not work because they need things laid out in a plan that's given to them and they can follow that plan very easily. So again, it's not just about what your kids enjoy, but it's also what you 
can handle as well. So, so once you kind of bring all that together, that's when you can start to figure out what will work best for curriculum for us. And let me tell you, most curriculums will offer free trials or free materials. Use them. Use them before you spend your money because you don't want to be spending hundreds of thousands to thousands, hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars on something that ends up sitting on your shelf. And unfortunately, I've heard that story way too many times. Um, so, and then also consider that if your child is doing therapy or working with other people to work on different goals, that is considered school. And so don't think, okay, we've got to fit in all of this school in addition to whatever therapy my student is doing. No, therapy is school. They are learning. It is hard on them. And so you have to consider that as part of your homeschooling schedule. So, all right. Now, as far as resources go, the things that I really want you to, to consider when you're looking at different resources, what do other parents have to say? Not just what does the curriculum say about itself, but what are parents saying about it? And parents who have children that struggle in different areas. Um, you can go on to our support groups and ask about any curriculum that you're considering. And most of our parents, well, we got 2,000 plus on our Facebook group, they will tell you what they thought of it and whether they liked it or they didn't. And it doesn't mean just because they liked it or they didn't, um, it will work or won't work. Because for some people, classical education works for their, their family. I kind of don't like it, um, but it doesn't mean that that doesn't work for a struggling student. It's just my own personal preference, and um, and I just the way I know that I can handle teaching my kids. So the other thing is, is it flexible? Some curriculum is so regimented that it does not allow for a student who struggles to take the time that they need or to build in extra activities to to solidify a learning concept at the pace that your student needs to learn. And so does it allow that? And mostly what I'm talking about is computer-based um, learning systems. They only have a couple lessons and then they just move the child along and, um, or they repeat the same lesson, which gets really boring, if they don't get it the first time. And it's almost like a punishment that they're learning slower or they need more help. Um, and then also, does it fit your budget? That's a really good question to ask because, well, we all have budgets. Um, another thing to look up is, do I need a consultant to help me with this? And a lot of time, that's a really good thing to consider. If you are a member of HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, you actually have access to their struggling learner consultants. It's included in your membership, so that's one thing to consider. Some state organizations also have a consultant that is at your disposal if you are a member of those organizations. I recommend you become part of them anyways. That's part of my essentials talk, totally different. Um, you can find that on our podcast or, um, yeah, on our Facebook or our website too. But, um, but that's one way to, um, to draw from a consultant. Also, some curriculums offer consultants as well. There's very few of them, but like Home Life Learning, um, Home Life Academy has consultants that really do help parents with struggling learners to pick out curriculum. Um, they are more of an umbrella school, and um, but then there are private consultants. You can find all of them on our website under 
partners and consultants. Um, and pick the person that you want. Maybe it's somebody that you need long-term. You need a mentor on a regular basis, somebody you can call, ask questions to then find the person that's the best fit for that. Um, or do you just need somebody to get you set up and going? How, help me write my IEP. Pull in also your therapist. If you're working with therapists, they know how to write IEPs. They were trained to do that. Have them help you with those things. So, so those are some different ways to um, advocate for the needs of you and your child while you're getting your homeschool set up and also the resources that are gonna work best. All right, let's move on. Next, take tangents. <laughs> Keep calm and pretend it's on the lesson plan. Yes, because that is where learning happens. So um, we often will get calls, and when I was a consultant, I would get calls from parents that would say, I've taken everything out of my student's schedule except for the things that they just have to do so that they can get caught up. Well, first of all, getting caught up is to a average that doesn't exist. It's just some number that falls in the middle of every child, either on one end or the other. Um, and so don't shoot for that. Second is um, maybe they are doing as the best they can and you've just given them the hardest things that they have on their plate and that's you've taken away all the fun things. And so I often tell parents, add in extra classes that they, uh, that build on their strengths, that help them to improve who they are, and build that between the hard stuff. Take those learning tangents, make them classes, even if they aren't considered academics. Make them academics and make them fun and, and also help them to see how learning is happening when they're doing that. Um, and if they hit a rabbit trail, there's something that you're doing in school and they are so excited about it, throw out the lesson plan for a day or two and follow that because you don't know where that's going to go. It's, it's teaching your child a bigger lesson, a bigger lesson that learning is everywhere and what I'm interested in is important. And um, those are the things that are going to propel them in the years to come to build off their strengths and to become the unique person that they were meant to be and to uh, to follow those passions in their their life for learning about specific types of things and um, discovering so um, but again also enlist help if you need help in helping explore those tangents pull in professionals ask friends ask your neighbors do you have an expertise in this area because I don't um, it, you know outsource I, I don't know how to speak French, but my daughter has taken three years of French from a tutor online. It happens to be a homeschool graduate that was a friend of a, um, a daughter of a friend. And um, we have allowed her to follow that tangent. Um, it doesn't mean that I have to learn French, <laughs> but um, I have allowed her to, to do that. And it's, it's propelling her in a direction where she is finding a strength. Um, and count it all as school. Um, be willing to learn yourself as well. Maybe there's some tangent that your child takes that you decide to follow. My daughter decided to start doing aerial silks about, well, about almost two years ago. And I started too. I love it. And so does she. And so we do it together now. Um, but there's so much that we as parents can find out about ourselves and learn about life and continue to learn along with our students. So don't don't miss out on that.
So, um, the next thing I want to talk about is about decision making. And we get bombarded as parents with kids who struggle on, well, this is the solution. This is going to fix that for your child. This is going to, um, this is the newest research out. And, you know, we can get so bombarded with all these things. And I've seen parents at homeschool conferences just, you know, buying piles of things because, well, they said that this is going to solve all the problems that we're dealing with. And then next year they come back and they're still doing the same thing again because they're following their anxiety and this anxiety to fix all these things about their children that, well, maybe they can be fixed, but not out of anxiety. We can help our children to succeed when we are at peace. And then we follow that peace. So keep calm and stay in peace. That is what this main thing is about. And um, you have to weigh your options. There is expert advice, there's parent advice, there's all these other things. Why are you choosing what you're choosing? Because you're anxious and you just want to get the answer, you want to fix the problem, or because you really feel deep down, this is what's best. And that is where you find the peace. I remember being on the other side of the phone with so many parents and we would get to the end of our conversation and I say, now where is your peace? Because that is what you need to follow. I gave you a lot of different advice, but it doesn't mean that all that advice is gonna work for you. Which one just resonated with you? And that is what you have to go with. And I also wanna point this out. If there's nothing that you hear that resonates with you, if your child is struggling so hard in the curriculum that you're using, you wanna find something to replace it because we gotta keep working on this. Stop, remove the curriculum, take a step back. All you're doing is frustrating yourself and your student and you're not really progressing anywhere. Take a deep breath <laughs> and remember, kids hit these plateaus and then they make huge leaps. Learning is not like this constant. And so when we take a step back, we take, we pull out, we can actually create this time of healing. Maybe that curriculum was just fine. It was just the pace you were using it at. Take time to evaluate that, to kind of run it through its paces. What were we doing? What could have been changed? Maybe it was the curriculum, but can you take a step back and breathe for a little while and take a, a look at your child? How are they handling this? And if they're old enough, ask their input. They have good things to say to you um, about that as well. And because a burnt out kid, burnt out mom, no learning happens. Again, we go back to that trust that we were talking about at the very beginning. When we get into that mode of just doing, we let the relationship go as well. And so stick with that piece. Okay. Um, now we're going to talk about realistic goals and schedules. Now we're going to really hone in on the realistic part. Um, goals need to be reasonable, measurable, and suitable towards your end goal. Yes, you need an end goal. So when students have an IEP, this is laid out pretty well. And if you want a template to do your own homeschool IEP, we have that on our website. It's right on, if you go to our Yes, I want to get started. Um, 
go to that page. It'll take you through all the different steps and one's called paperwork. And on that paperwork page, there's a link to our free downloadable IEP template and a step-by-step kind of walk you through with all these different links and information about how to write it yourself and what, what you need to include on it. But one of those things is about setting goals. Now, most educators, people who write IEPs, who write goals, just even in the professional realm will tell you, three is your max. That's As humans, we can't focus on more than three at a time. So once a student reaches a specific goal, you've got you to pick wisely and you really have to hone in on what is most important. And so um, so make sure you, you know what that goal is and that's really what you're striving for. You aren't just kind of shooting for the moon in every different direction because that just creates chaos and it doesn't get anything accomplished. You don't reach those goals because you're so busy doing busy stuff. Um, anyways, so um, just remember also when you're making goals, do I need help? Again, going back to those resources and advocacy, do I need help to make those goals happen? Is it okay if we take tangents? Will those tangents, how can I build those tangents in to reaching those goals as well? So whenever a tangent happens, reevaluate it. Is this helping to, to reach this goal? Or how can we build that goal into this tangent? Um, if your student all of a sudden has this crazy um, whim to start doing research on World War II. Um, can we fit in reading goals? Sure, read about World War II. Um, get some, get some high-low books that are, um, are written about history and, and build that in. And remember, it's about the relationship and the trust. You've got to always bring that back. And how am I helping my student achieve their goals and keeping our relationship intact? So um, that is always the concept. And I tell you, as you get older kids, when they become teenagers, that is so critical. I had great relationships with our teenagers. Well, okay, one took a little bump. But because we had built that relationship, that bump he bumped right back into place. Let's just put it that way. Um, so it's that relationship, everything hinges on that relationship. And also remember, every child is different. So don't think, well, my school schedule needs to look like their school schedule or the school schedule that somebody published on some Facebook you know, group about how they do school. I'm sorry. Um, how you do school is gonna look very different than anybody else because not only is your child different, but you are different. Your home is different, your environment. If, if you know, you have a work schedule, your spouse has a work schedule, um, and maybe school doesn't start till noon. When my, teen, my kids were teens, school didn't start till noon at our house, they slept. Um, that was okay, I had my morning time then. Um, but we just made it work because that's what worked for all of us. And so, um, and you know what, that's just okay. I, I wrote that, if school starts at 8 a.m. or noon, that's okay. If therapy is the main mode of instruction in your school, or character training, I talked to one mom and she said, seems to be all we're doing is, and I said, you know, for years in our homeschool, my boys fought 
like cats and dogs, and we would be back at the table talking about how to get along with one another, and that was the majority of our school day. We somehow fit in a little bit of reading, writing, math, and whatever we were doing for the unit study. But the majority of my instruction was teaching them how to get along with one another, forgive one another, and do it a job for one another to make up for whatever they did to hurt one another and and you know what now they're each other's best friends so was it worth it yeah because my goal was way above just their academic goals it was about their life it was about helping them be the people that they need to be in this world. So um, so think about that when you're setting your schedules and your goals and things seem to interrupt you because those interruptions are actually some of the best teaching moments that are there. So allow them to happen. If your child needs to take two to three years to complete one year in, of the curriculum, yep. I remember the first time I told parents that in the, a conference, I saw the jaws drop. They're like, oh, what? <laughs> yes. Don't push your child ahead just to be on track with the curriculum. Because what you do is you make them more frustrated. They have these large learning gaps, especially in areas of reading and writing and math. Um, they need to progress at the pace they can progress. And that's the best they can do. So just move at the pace that they can and you will reach those goals without having to backtrack because that's what I ended up doing with one of my sons. He um, was dealing with a lot of depression and when you are depressed, you don't learn. And so we ended up having all these gaps in math. We had to go back three years. We completed three years of math just filling in gaps in a one-year span. And so really, had I waited and, and really it probably would have been a much more methodical and easy process for all of us. <laughs> so, but yes, that is just okay. If you need to hire a tutor to help you teach, don't feel like you are a failure. That's what you need to do. If that's what you need to do so you can work, so you can work with some of your other children. If um, it's just a subject you just aren't gonna master. <laughs> Computer programming, I, I had one, um, one of my neighbors said, uh, Peggy, I think my, my son would like to, to learn some coding. What can I do? And so I sent her a list of different things that she could use and that he could use. And, and I said, well, start these out. She didn't have to learn a thing. They were just all, they would all give parent reports. And so that, that made it easy. But outsourcing, use, when you set goals, figure out how you don't have to do it all because you don't. Um, and really that's the advantage of homeschooling is that you can do all these things um, at whatever pace, whatever, um, using whatever resources that you have around and, um, and make it work because, um, again, you're, you're sticking on track and you're making it work for your student and they're unique. They don't need to look like everybody else. So um, just celebrate that. Okay, so just want to tell you a little bit about SPED Homeschool. We are a nonprofit. Uh, we were formed in 2017. Um, I have over 15 years working as a um, special education homeschooling consultant. Um, started the, um, 
the special needs department for Mache, the Minnesota Association of Christian Home Educators in Minnesota, and then um, started the special needs program for the Texas Homeschool Coalition when I moved to Texas. And so did that on and off for 15 years in helping parents. But then we launched Sped Homeschool as an international uh, nonprofit to help parents to just to empower you to homeschool better um, and to feel like I'm not alone. I don't have to do the way that this one blogger says that special needs homeschooling works because there's a lot of people that have good experiences and we bring them together too. We have partners that sell curriculum, that are consultants, that are therapists, um, that work with us. We continue to build those relationships. That's what we are about. And to give you their, you know, their resources after we, we look at them, we say, yes, they're useful. And there, there's a wide spectrum of them because not everything works for everybody. When we're getting back to the very beginning, what I was talking about is you got to see what fits for your family. And so we give you that, that range and, and, help you connect with those resources. We also have um, support tribes that's broken down into regions. So you can find that information on our website. I do a we weekly live broadcast on Tuesday nights on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, all at the same time, 8 p.m. Central, and have different guests on. We interview different people and on a different theme each month, and we encourage you to be part of that. Join us. Ask your questions. That's what these people are on for. Um, they are experts in their fields, and they really are passionate about the topics that um, they talk about. We also have quick guides based on our monthly theme. We have... Um, just blogs that come out each month based on the same thing too. Our Tuesday night moms night out. If you just need a night out, want to hang out with some more special needs moms, we just chat. We have an open chat room. You can only find the link if you're a member of one of our regional support tribes or if you're a member of our Facebook support group. So um, join one of those groups. That's where you can get the link. Um, we have videos on our, our YouTube channel. There's 500 plus. So, but there's usually five videos coming out each week. And again, we have, um, you can search our website or, or YouTube for a lot of those things. We have Facebook groups for support, resource sharing, um, our buy, sell, trade group. And um, we have at-home therapy services, just tons of information on our website. And, and so, um, so dive into that. But thanks for joining me. I hope this makes you feel more confident because you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. We're here to help, and um, so just reach out if you need need help. Um, we will point you in the right direction. We'll get you involved in the right group to uh, to get you uh, that boost that you need uh, in the right um, way that works best for you and your student. So thanks for joining me and um, and for watching this session. Bye, everybody. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.